From the Old City, a practical Torah commentary by Gutman Lodge. Genesis 23, Chayasara. The Jewish people. With such joy do we study these portions of the Torah that deal with our ancestors. How wonderful it is to be able to spend time with our righteous forefathers. Not only do we learn about them and their ways, but also we learn about ourselves. Not only are we their descendants, we are their deeds. There are so many things to discuss in this week's portion that it's hard to decide which is most important. The central theme of this week's Torah is the continuation of the Jewish people. Although the portion records the passing of our beloved father and mother, Abram and Sarah, still we read it with joy. The joy comes from knowing that they accomplished what they were sent here to do. They lived full and rich lives, and then, before leaving, we see that they made arrangements for the continuation of our people. Before the time of Abraham, there were 70 nations in the world. These 70 nations still exist today, and every member of them has the opportunity to become a righteous person if only they will follow the seven commandments that Hashem, in His kindness, has given to the world through Adam and Noah. But then there comes a new nation, a small but extremely significant nation, the Jewish people. At this stage in time, we are called Hebrews. Hebrew means those who passed over the river. Abram and Sarah passed over the river after having been told to leave their family and their family's land. This week we see Rivka leaving her family and their land to become Yitzchak's wife. Soon we will see Rachel, Leah, Bila, and Zilpah leave their family and their family's land. So it was that Abram and all six foremothers had to leave their land. However, Yitzchak is never allowed to leave his land, and Yaakov is allowed to leave only temporarily. Why did Abraham and all of the six foremothers of the Jewish people have to leave their families and their families' land? The single most important teaching that the Jewish people bring into the world is the teaching that there is only one God. Although idolatry was forbidden to all of the descendants of Adam, by the time Abram was born, this commandment was all but forgotten. Abram was raised in an idolatrous household. In fact, his father was an idol maker. But still, on his own, he came to the realization that there must be only one God. This was one of the most unique things about Abraham's service. Certainly he was famous for his hospitality, his kindness, but the fact that he discovered the one God is what made him unique in his generation, indeed in the entire history of the world. What is the point of all this? The Jewish people are not one of the 70 nations of the world, nor are we a continuation of one of those nations. We are a unique, distinct people who have been sent into the world to teach that there is only one God. Certainly, we have other characteristics that the world benefits from, such as kindness and intelligence, but to teach this one teaching that there is only one God is the prime reason we have been created. Abram and all of the foremothers were told to leave their family's homeland forever because those families worshipped idols. Abraham and these six foremothers were tasked with starting a new nation, a nation that believed only in the one God. 
They had to break away from those families and all of their influence in order to start an entirely new people. Not only were they to leave their idolatrous families, but they were to move to the land of Israel. Our sages tell us when someone moves to the land of Israel, it is as if they have become a new person. These women were to raise an entirely new nation. However, Yitzchak and Yaakov were born into a Jewish home, a home without idolatry, so they were told to stay and not to leave their families. How does this information affect our lives today? Learning Torah is not merely acquisition of information. The essential aspect of Torah is not learning, but doing. Just like our ancestors, in order to fulfill our purpose, we have the obligation and great privilege to raise Jewish families and to teach the nations around us. We are the light unto the nations, and what is this light? That there is only one God, and even deeper, that there is nothing else beside him. Maybe that's why it's not working. I was walking up to a friend who helps put tefillin on men in the Jewish quarter square, just as a young American couple was walking by. My friend asked the young man to put on tefillin, but he refused. I do have a question, he said. The guy looked Jewish, but the woman didn't. I jumped in and offered to answer his question. What does Judaism say about the devil? Whenever someone asks about the devil, it is a pretty sure sign that he has been studying Christianity. Jews are just not very interested in the subject. I answer that God sends the devil and tells him to do what to do. I quickly changed the subject and asked him if he was Jewish. He was, but his wife wasn't. I got him to put on tefillin and to read the prayers in English. His wife had walked over to one of the nearby stores while we spoke. I told him all the religions in the world except Judaism are based on one thing only, belief. If you want, you can change your religion ten times a day. If someone believes in the Christian Bible, he would be a Christian. And if the next day he believed in the Buddhist scriptures, he would no longer be a Christian, but instead he would be a Buddhist. On and on, he could change his religion anytime he wanted. But we are not Jews because of what we believe. We are Jews because of our mothers. We're not a religion. We're a people. And what this means is that we have inherited the DNA of our ancestors. For instance, I continued, I bet you'd love to have guests in your house. Yeah, he said, all excited. I love it. I asked, well, what about your wife? Oh, she can't stand it. She gets all upset when I bring people home. We didn't invent liking guests, I told him. We inherited that from Abraham. You have those genes, but she doesn't. He looked over his wife at the store and said, maybe that's why it's not working. Love. This week's portion begins with the passing of Sarah, our mother. The first thing Avram did after tending to Sarah's resting place was to find someone to continue as the mother of the Jewish people. God told Avram that the future of the Jewish people was to be through his son Yitzchak and not through any other children he might father. So Avram sent his trusted servant to find a proper wife for his son, one who would be fitting to continue Sarah's ways. Next is the warm and interesting story of Abram's servant finding a woman to be Yitzchak's wife. This story is so beloved to Hashem that it is one of the only places in the entire Torah that something is repeated, and certainly one of the longest. 
Then comes the most beautiful love story in the Torah. What type of love is this? When Rivka first sees Yitzchak, she covers her face with a veil. But she was very beautiful and was about to see her future husband for the first time. Even more importantly, her future husband was about to see her for the first time. Why did she cover her face? Wouldn't she want her husband to see her beauty? Rivka knew that Yitzchak would love her beauty, but she wanted him to first hear how Hashem chose her to be his wife and to love her for that and not merely because she was physically beautiful. Avram's servant told Yitzchak how Hashem chose Rivka. And Yitzchak first brought her into the tent of Sarah's mother. Two, he married Rivka. Three, she became his wife. And four, he loved her. Thus was Yitzchak consoled after his mother. These events seem to be out of order. Normally, a man first sees a woman's face, and if he loves her, he marries her. And only then does he bring her into his tent. But Yitzchak did not see Rivka's face. First he heard how Hashem chose her to be his wife, and then he brought her into his mother's tent. But why not into his tent, or into her own tent? And why didn't he marry her before he brought her into the tent? He brought her into Sarah's tent because Sarah's tent is the home of the Jewish people. Coming into Sarah's tent was Rivka's so-called conversion to Judaism. Only then could Yitzchak marry her and she could become his wife. This shows that their marriage was primarily a spiritual union, a union created to bring forth the Jewish nation. But it was not only a spiritual union, as the Torah testifies, and he loved her and was consoled for the loss of his mother. There is one.com